Listen up. I'm Amaro. And I'm Sin. And we're your hosts for Chaos Rising. Chaos Rising is a podcast at the intersection of culture and community. And we're here to talk about a range of topics and have some great versatile guests on. We might talk about culture for a couple episodes and then talk about astrology. And we'll have on writers and maybe even astrophysicists. Who knows? You'll find us here every Sunday, whether you like it or not. Put us on while you clean, while you drive, while you ponder life's infinite mysteries. So let's get it on with this week's episode. We've got somebody great for you guys today. Welcome to another episode, our bright and charming listeners. We're glad you joined us for another podcast episode. We're here today with Tamika of Hot Brown Morning Podcast. So tell our listeners about yourself. Hi, everyone. So I'm Tamika. People also know me as Kuno online. Um, I am the co-host of the Hot Brown Morning Potion podcast, a dragon prince-centered po- podcast. Um, I'm also a re- recently hired book cover designer for Crow House Press. Um, I also do a multitude of things, um, designer, different types of design, art, and writing. Um, probably too long to list them all right now, but, um, yeah, so... But pretty much all my work is like storytelling and content um, in content focused and narrative focused in nature. So, um, yeah, that's where I'm at. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Um, so if the name of the podcast, um, if your podcast doesn't give it away, today we're covering the Dragon Prince, a fantasy series made by, and if I butcher his last name, guys, correct me. Um, Aaron <laughs> Ehaz, Ahaz. Uh, e Ehaz, I think. Um, okay. but I, but I, but um, I've always said it Ehaz, and he's never corrected me. So, okay. so Aaron Ehaz and uh, Justin Richmond. Um, now Aaron Ehaz has worked on Avatar: The Last Airbender. Um, so what influ- influences do you see that he brought over to the Last Dragon? Oh, the Dragon Prince, rather. Um, Aaron is a very good storyteller. Needless to say, um, he also has a certain way of. And this isn't really necessarily unique to him or Justin for that matter, because Justin is also equally part of it. Um, but because Justin also came from um, Uncharted series. So I think he was executive producer, but he was on like a, uh, he was a creative person on that team. But anyways, um, I think I really see kind of the desire for compelling characters. Um I don't exactly have like an insight into like that specific question, his brain, Mm -hmm. but it definitely, you can kind of feel it for me personally. You can feel it um, where the influences in Avatar are and where the influences Dragon Prince are, for example, like we, I think a lot of people know that Toph was initially supposed to be a guy, but Aaron insisted that it be a girl. And I think that was, um, we've never talked about that specifically on any of our podcast episodes, but I think that was specifically a way to make the character more dynamic and more compelling. Cause um, one of the things I think he's always said was that, um, um, was that, you know, never mind as a character, like, well, is it, com- is the character compelling? And you can see that in like characters like Viren. Viren is like a very compelling character, not arguably not super likable. Granted he is like a very <laughs> likable, he is a very likable character, but in like the grand scheme of things, um, he's more compelling than he is likable. So I think there's just certain storytelling nuances he brings. Um, kind of like a 
outside the box kind of thing. It's it's hard for me to put it into words, but I can you can see the influences um, where you know the the mindset. I think. All right. No, yeah. I can I can definitely see that. I didn't really consider it before until just now, but I can like if I didn't know he was a part of it, I would automatically compare the Dragon Prince to the Last Airbender because even though it's not necessarily the same realm even i can still feel it in the character so that definitely makes sense yeah and i also kind of want to acknowledge too that um that he's also part of a team too i'm granted all animation shows are so we obviously like we could say bright you know for avatar but at the end of the day too it's the team that's the team that's there that they lead and contribute to the show because animation really is like it is a team effort no everybody touches everything um like devin is head writer and you've got um neo mukapadai you've also got dev um ian hendry and a host of other writers and there's some new writers there too from what i understand um that all contribute to the show and it's great. And, um, but I think that the focus going in a certain, and also to acknowledge poor Justin, cause I feel like he gets left out a lot, but um, <laughs> Justin also too, I think adds um, his own. I've never played the Uncharted series, but if I ever do, I probably see some of the, uh, some of the influence too, that he brings to the table because um, they're a team. And I think all of them together make this wonderful thing. Uh, and yeah. Oh, absolutely. So you've actually interviewed a good portion of their team on your own podcast, like the creators, the voice actors for Claudia, Varin, and uh, Renan, I think, and some of the art directors, and they all seem so passionate about what they do. Do you feel like that significantly impacts the quality of the show, or do you think they might just consider it another art project for them to be working on? Oh, definitely. Um, they're all super passionate. They're all like really wonderful people. Like I can't, I can't express that enough. That everybody on that show is really wonderful. Like just great. Like they, um, from the podcast. I mean, from the voice actors on on up or around. Um, but uh, yeah, because like Aaron and Justin are great. They always um, really uh, consider to us, and we've they've you know they've always been open for interviews so that fans can um hear more of what hear more of the show and like not just what's in the show i don't know how to explain that it's like like for example one thing i really like about this franchise is that um all their stuff adds new content we're not just rehashing old content like tends to happen like there is a video game coming out but that game is not going to just rehash what's already been done in the first three seasons we're going to explore new things and tales of zadia which is their tabletop RPG that's coming out also is the same thing where it's like, we're going to explore new things. We're not going to do the same thing. And I, I sorely miss that in a lot of other franchises. And I really love that. But to answer your question, yes, I have, I have, I have interviewed a few people with my co-host Haley, um, who, who is the, who runs the uh, cartoon universe YouTube channel. So you guys should check that out. Um, and she's wonderful. Uh, she's kind of how I got into this. So I always, I always must acknowledge her because none of this is possible without her for me. But um, I get long winded. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> um, yeah. So my first interview really was with, I believe, 
if I remember correctly, I believe it was with Aaron and Justin. And they were really cool and they were awesome. Um, but I've also interviewed J Jason Simpson, who plays Viren, um, who is very much a dad. Love him. He's awesome. Um, one day would love to have a beer with him. Um, I've interviewed <laughs> uh, Jason in Ocalia. Uh, I mean, not Jason, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Jesse. Jesse in Ocalia. Um, and then there's Raquel, uh, Raquel Belmonte, who plays Soren and Claudia, respectively. They are also amazing. Um, they're all very fun. All the voice actors are really fun people. Um, yes, and Jonathan Holmes was a triumph for me because that man does have not have like any social media. I had to get a hold of like his um, some people. Uh, I don't want to say who, but um, I had to get a hold of some people to get to him. And getting him on the show was like a triumph for me, frankly, because <laughs> he's one of my favorite characters. And he's a wonderful dude. He's so gracious. He's so gracious and funny. And um, to answer your question, yes, they're all super passionate. And that makes a whole lot of difference. They add their own little unique voices and um, nuances to the show. All right. That's cool. You said earlier um, your co-host, um, Haley, she got you into the Dragon Prince? Uh, no, actually. So my friend... Um, oh. my, so my friend's got me in one of my one of my friends um is uh a big meta person he just like uh, they like to write meta and a ton in the dragon prince and long story short they're just we we we, we go together to different fandoms often over the years and um so when i got into the show um i was like in the show into the show even before it came out so i was one of the very early fans and then i got in contact with Haley. I think to draw some art for her podcast. And then eventually I think it just evolved into her inviting me. So it was more like a series of connections that I already had and then made. Oh, okay, cool, 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 cool. So was there, was there ever a moment for you when you were watching the show and you were like, oh, okay, damn, I'm gonna like this show a lot. Like, do you remember what that moment was for you? I think that was, I had two moments like that. The first moment being, um, the first moment was when I saw Runan's design. I loved him. <laughs> I loved him. And his his line, which he says, life is precious, life is valuable, but we don't take it lightly. And I'm like, okay, I love him. I'm like, I was, I was obsessed with the show, even before season one, which is very Super unprecedented. Valid. Yeah, unprecedented for me. I don't do that. I never do that for some reason. But again, my friend got me into it. Um, and then after that, he actually says the line in the show. And just the first episode, the first, I think, I think they aired the first episode earlier, the first three episodes. No, 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 there was a, um, they did a review or something like that. But it was, it was easy to get into the first three episodes. And I think that's all you need. You need like the first three episodes. Because the thing about the Dragon Prince is that it's in nine episode seasons. So mm -hmm. it's very easy to put in, um, almost clear divisionally um a three-act structure so if you're not into it by the first three episodes like it might not be your show but yeah yeah by the first three episodes i was already into it and i was just like it had me in a vice grip <laughs> Renan is probably the reason for that though he's one of my favorite characters in the end i ended up being like um uh, way more invested in raylam uh raylan callum oh yeah and so but i've but so spoilers for anybody who hasn't seen it um but Renan is what like, like clinched me into it. I I kind of I love them. They're so cute together. Um, 
I think uh, I think it was a Meryl or somebody said that you had a, a hand in naming some of the characters. Who did you uh, name and how did you get into get to do that? So that's a long story. So um, let me see what how can how, what can I talk about? How can I say this? Um, so <laughs> the long and short of it, the very long the short version. Let's go with the short version. So to preserve some not face, but. Um, so the long and short of it is that I, when, because I got into super early, I was one of the first um, chapter, I write fan fiction. I write fan fiction called Sides of the Moon, which is a canon divergent alternate universe um, where, where Viren kills Harrow <laughs> because I have a penchant for that. Um, and Callum sees it and runs away and ends up running off with Rayla and Renan and the Moonshadow Elf Squad. I, in order to make that, I had to name the Moonshadow Elf Squad. And um, the long and short of it is that, uh, which legally it's fine, and I and I gave permission, is that they named them after in the show the Elf Squad after the characters. So nice, um, nice. Female, yeah. So that is kind of how that happened. And the morning that happened. Um, that I realized that it happened. That I realized that it all gone through. Uh, I my phone was blowing up, and I was actually a little scared because I was like, <laughs> um, "Is something going on? Like, am I in trouble?" But no. Um, but yes, it was all fine. Um, I knew about it. Uh, permissions and all were given, uh, and that's how that happened. But it was probably one of my. Uh, <laughs> I'm still kind of proud of that, just because now I don't have to change like hundred thousand words of my fan fiction because <laughs> it's like uh not to toot my own horn but it is it is a fan fiction that has i don't say a lot of weird saying like but it does get a lot of attention sometimes uh sometimes and so i don't want to well, have to go go through definitely boast about that we love fan fiction here yeah absolutely 1000 <laughs> i just don't like to make myself seem like a hot shot um i don't like to step on people i don't want to kind of step on any proverbial parasocial toes that might be <laughs> might be out there and i'm like i'm proud of the fact that my fan fiction is well known um and i'm glad a lot of people enjoy it and i appreciate everybody's attention on it um now if i can just update it a little bit more regularly like, <laughs> you know the eternal quest <laughs> isn't that the problem like i still get I, I always tell myself, oh, next time I get a kudos on mine, I'll update it. And then I get one. I'm like, you know what? Next time I get a kudos, I'll update it. Like, it's it's so daunting to update fan fiction for some reason. Yeah. I mean, I have like an actual like chapter ready even. Um, I just have to go through the edits. Um, it's just more like it probably slightly daunts me, too, because I'd really try to reply to every single person that actually reply comments. Cause I want to encourage mm. comments um, and everybody should come. If you read something, you should comment on it. Um, but I try to encourage comments and every time somebody comments on it, every single one, unless it's a series of like, you know, I try to comment to every single person. Um, and I'll usually do that right before I update just to show their appreciation and Hey, another one's come out. So if you want to watch another one, but that's just, I mean, I know that I don't have to do that, but that's just my thing to do because I just feel like I owe it to them. Um, and I appreciate it. And it's just a little thing. I personally, my kind of I don't call it a unique spin, but like my personal habit that I like to make. It can take a while though. <laughs> so of the um different elves, I think they're all the different 
uh, racers of elves or whatever, I think they're all connected to each of the different primal stones. So there's uh, Tidebound Elves, Skywing Elves, Sunfire, Star Touch, and uh, Moonshadow. Do you have a favorite type of elf? Oh, yes, Moonshadow Elves. Moonshadow Elves are my favorites. Um, sorry, my niece. I am home and my niece is probably crying. That's um, <laughs> but. Um, Moonshadow Elves are my favorite. Uh, for obvious reasons, I love Rayla. I love Renan. And they are one of... And I like look, I like Sunfire Elves. But Moonshadow Elves, I think, were my first venture into the show. And I just kind of love their... Um, their ways. The way they're kind of like... Um, kind of cool and badass. And also very much about... Being Pacific Islander, I relate to anybody that's very much like a collectivist kind of nature. Um, mm. They're very much about um, what's good for everybody. But then I also really appreciate how... Because they're the... You know, how dynamic they are. Um, I appreciate kind of their... All the characters that come, have come out of there are like my favorite. I love also... Uh, spoiler alert! Again, if you haven't watched the show, you might want to go do that first. But yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. Athari, I love Athari, um, who is Runan's husband. I love him so much. Um, I love all. I love their entire little family. I just love. We did an entire. We did an entire episode that was like two hours long with Devin Gill, wonderful person, and Ian Hendry, also equally wonderful. Um, they're married. Um, oh, nice! Yeah, they're a married couple, and they're uh, but and they're also they're really really wonderful to interview. And we just basically had like a two hour session of just talking and asking questions about the elves specifically. And so we asked a lot of questions about the moon shadow, like elf, their, their family. So like their little family, and um, I was Haley. Because Haley's favorite is Soren and the Mage Fam, so she she put up with 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 me on that one. Not really, no, she enjoyed it too. But we usually like um, any time I can get a question in about like Raylam or any question I can get in about Renan or anybody like that, she knows I'm going there. <laughs> so, out of all of the characters, who would you say currently is your favorite? Oh, that's tough, but um, it's definitely a tie between. I think it's a little, it's a, almost a tie between Callum, Raylan, and Renan, but I think I edge a little bit with Callum. I think really? I care. I love Callum a little, think a, a little bit more than um everybody else. I, it's very slim though, because I like, it's not like in like when I think of like Raylan, I don't prioritize him over her because I know that sometimes happens in fandoms where it's like. The ship is really about one person. No, I love them both. I just, I, I relate a little bit more to Callum because I'm also an artist. I've also been, you know, insecure and and such and such. And um, I I just, I like his physical, for one thing too, I'm a very visual person. I'm, I physically like, if I can, if I like you visually, a lot of times um, you'll be my favorite. But um just like I've been watching lately, Castlevania, um, recently, and Striga yes. is like one of my favorites. I don't know why. I just really no, love. Yeah. Aesthetically, she's just really, really pleasing aesthetically in her face. Um, yeah. But anyways, so same thing kind of goes with Callum, um, and kind of a similar to Renard. But um, Callum is one of my is like one of my favorites. I love him so much. I just 
I kind of like that because I, I like whenever someone tells Callum, oh, well, you can't do this. And he's, I'm kind of like that, too. Like, oh, I can't do this? All right, cool. So I can, I, I can see why he's your favorite because he, I like that he's stubborn. So I kind of like that. I love his dynamic, too, with Rayla. Like, even from the get-go, it's very, like, healthy. Um, and um, it does. I know there are complaints that it was fast, but I don't personally agree. I think if you've met any people you know, some people like you've met some grandparents who met who knew each other for like mm-hmm. three weeks and got married and <laughs> they've been together for like 60 years. I think that this is one of those things where it's like it was. Dev- I remember, gotta remember, it is a fictional show. Like, on some, <laughs> on, there is a level in which you have to suspend your belief on certain things because that's kind of just how narrative works. Uh, you know, it's just like it's not real life and you don't do things that it's like. For example, like dialogue, you don't write dialogue that's realist that you would hear in real life. You write dialogue that seems realistic, that fits into a narrative structure. Because in yeah. real life, all people say um and they break certain, and, you know, they do a lot of things that you really wouldn't write in, that you typically wouldn't write in mm-hmm. a lot of dialogue. But anyways, so um I I love Callum's dynamic with Rayla and I love their development. Um, and I love the fact that, because the fun fact is, like, they were not planned. They really were. They just kind of saw things happening in season two and ran with it. Um, and I think that's amazing because it means uh, that their characters were just naturally compatible like that. And the man jumped off a mountain. I can't express this <laughs> enough that he leaped off a mountain for her, not knowing if he was going to live. He, he was just hoping. He was living on a prayer. But he did it anyways. And it's like... If a man jumps off a mountain to save him, not knowing if he's going to live or die, he is the one. Like, I don't, I don't know how to explain that. It's like, I don't, and I love like ride or die. Like, that's kind of like my trope. I love in a healthy fashion. Prerequisites for a relationship: you gotta jump off a mountain. That's it. Gotta jump off a mountain. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> when he did that, I gasped like, oh, okay, so what's going to happen now? I don't, remember the show. What, I don't remember what happened. I think I was like, I don't think I was screaming, but I was like freaking out. I was like, I, you know, obviously I knew that they weren't going to like, that they weren't going to die because it's, you know, but at the same time, I was like, oh my God. Now, somebody did die in that, in that entire escapade, but he's just not dead anymore. <laughs> not anymore. <laughs> Not anymore. <laughs> yeah, and again, if you haven't watched the show, you know, Viren's whole dying and then coming back thing is like that's a that's that's a thing. I have a complicated relationship with Claudia. She's a super compelling character. I just relate oh, to her. I a love lot. her. I, yeah. I, I relate cool. I relate to Claudia a lot, and that's why I'm a little harder on her because I understand her motivations. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like why are you killing people to bring back your dad? I don't, I don't, I mean, I understand it. I was like, I don't know if that's a, it's, that's a safe decision. You know, that sounds very unsafe. I have, I have a lot of thoughts <laughs> surrounding Claudia and how uh, she's going to progress, not in a great way, but in an entertaining way. <laughs> oh, she's going to hit rock bottom at least. Before. I do think she's going to get a redemption. I don't know this, but I mean, and if she didn't, I wouldn't really bother me because I love me some go- a good villainess. Um, that's actually one place I do feel possibly might have come be kind of Avatar-esque because she does remind me of Azula. We're just like seeing the progression. She A similar arc to Azula, not the character itself because they are vastly different characters. And quite frankly, I do think that even... Claudia has some moral, more has more moral 
justifications and more morality than a suva. <laughs> um, even if their morality can be questionable. Because I, I was asking myself the other day and I was asking my friends, I was like, do you think, what do you think would have been different if Claudia had asked Soren if he wanted, to, if she, if he would okay with her killing that deer to bring his legs back? She didn't really ask permission. She just did it. But I was like, I wonder how that would, I was like, um, we kind of came to a conclusion. Like, I don't think she would have listened anyway. She would have yeah. made a promise. And then in the end, did it anyway, or at least found a way around it. That's what she does. <laughs> See, I think I think I could like have a whole podcast episode just exploring Claudia's character and like her sense of morality. I oh, I probably really could. could write a whole dissertation on that. You really could, because there's a lot going on there, and a lot of it has to do with like Viren. Uh, everything has to do with Viren, really. Every, yeah, really, every, really, the whole show. What do you think about it? When you really think about it, this entire show, because you can't really like put too much blame. I think there has to be some distance between a thousand years or whatever happened with, you know, the elves and the humans. Yeah, you have to put that a little bit aside because you have to remember in the current timeline, in the current time period, all this started because, and mind you, this was the worst plan ever. This is funny to me. I love this show. It's well written. I just, and I understand kind of like logistics and everything. Um, I just think it's hilarious that these two guys decided to go out there to kill you know, no plan at all. They just go out there. They're just yeeting it, you know. <laughs> and and they decide to kill Thunder and then decide to kill his egg. <laughs> and my friend, um, Raylan with two A's in the Dragon Prince fandoms, that's how they're known, um, said that he has the backbone of a chocolate eclair sometimes. Oh, no. Of peril, because he just lets him go kill this dragon egg. <laughs> and it's like, all that started because of that, most of it. And then I have an issue, not an issue, but I find it very creepy and like mind blowing that this man kept Harrow's wife's last breath on a shelf for nine years, said nothing Ooh. to him. He just had it there <laughs> and it was just sitting there like on a shelf, like a jar of mayonnaise and never said, <laughs> never said anything to Harrow in 10 years. I'm like, you can't like, Everything ends up with Vivian, so you can kind of understand where Claudia's like got some like issues, and then poor Soren. <laughs> oh, Soren. Soren, poor, poor Soren. And that's all we got to say about that. <laughs> that's. <laughs> but uh, okay, I, I we did get a little bit sidetracked, but we're still on talking about characters. Uh, do you have a least favorite character that's not like you know a random side character we see for a minute or whatever? Is there just someone you just do not vibe with. I don't have any characters that I don't like. I don't think are well written or anything like that. Most of the time, my least favorite character is just somebody not on my radar. I probably say it has to be between Claudia and Viren. And it's it's kind of like, I don't know. I mean, I I love Claudia and I love, okay, I don't <laughs> love Viren, but um, <laughs> Viren is very compelling. He is very well written character. You, I like to follow Viren and whatever he's doing. I like to follow Claudia and whatever she's doing. I'm harder on Claudia. And I have some opinions about some of the ways that sometimes she gets manifested in the fandom. Um, I just got, um, in a way, uh, on a variety of fronts, because I do think that she's a very complex character. And, um, and, trying sometimes i gotta word things correctly so i don't no no i know what you're talking about because you if the way people 
because me and, me and Meryl had this problem. The way people villainize people or like they demonize them when it's just like, listen, it's a, it's a complex character. Yeah. You can't just, it can't be black and white with everything. Exactly. It's not just good or bad. Like there's yeah. reasoning behind everything they do. I actually have an almost the opposite problem. Um, it's more like it's the way people, at least in the past, have um when it first started um she was the quirky goth girl and she kind of is but that's not all she is mm -hmm. and it's kind of almost related to kind of like our mission in the in cross press it's like gotta remember that at the very least she's a presenting you know she's a she's a presenting white girl you know and so there's a level in which she gets faith there's a level in which there were um some of the ways that she got manifest to fast fandom where it was like, it was okay that everything that she was doing. And it's like, it's not okay. Some of the stuff that yeah. she did. It's the way some like, she didn't understand that Harrow, I mean, Harrow did not want to switch his soul with somebody else and let them die. Like she didn't understand why that was a big deal. And Baron did like, he understood what he was asking of Baron. He just thought it was like, it was um, necessary. And like, um, Again, my friend Raylan with two A's has a lot of good like meta, but one of the things is like Baron kind of measures the lives of people. Like he, some people are worth people. Some people are more important than other people to him, and Hera's not like that. Um, and you have to acknowledge that Claudia is, and mind you, this is nothing on the Dragon Prince team because they wrote her really well. They know what they're doing with her morality. Is kind of like her moral compass is a, slightly broken. You know, it's a little broken. It's a little messed up. So you can't villainize her in the canon sense because in in an alternate universe sense, it's like fine. Like I think that, you know, depending on how you write her, like as long as you're staying true to her character and the like the logical steps are there for how she ended up there, that's fine. But um, you can't villainize her, demonize her, but you also can't like, for Excuse lack of a better term, woobify her, I guess, in a lack of a better term. But I don't think there's as much of that going around. As it used to after the actions of season two and three, because <laughs> um, um, yeah. But now we're getting to fandom politics, and that's some uh, that's some dicey territory. I oh, yeah. I love and granted, there's some really really cool um, artists out there. Like um, Holly K Art does some of the best best mage fam art um, ever. Does some of the sweetest stuff where um, just for like fractions in time. Um, I'm like a big, I'm like a, I'm like the mage fan fan just because they just, just this great work. Um, and then I, oh man, I can't remember. The, on Twitter there, I just see them as Yuki and they do some really great art. They do some really cool um, dark Claudia um, fan art and barring whatever morality, it's, she's, Claudia's also got one of the best designs I think in the show. It's very simple, very memorable, but very classy. And I just mm -hmm. appreciate that. Oh, that's cool. That's cool. Um, so here is where we get a little spoilery. So if people haven't seen the show yet, you might want to <laughs> stop. Um, season one ends with, you know, Zim being born. Then season two ends with um, Ezrin going back to claim the throne. And then season three ends with the, you know, the battle between Viren's monster army and our protags. What are your hopes uh, for the path next season's going to take? Um, my hopes, um, I have a lot of theories, um, in a way, I think, and granted more spoilers, I've, if the, through the moon, you know, is a comic and it is canon in, in the, in the thing. So it is canon in the timeline. So I'm kind of expecting Raylan Callum to not 
um, be around each other, to not be together, just because that's how it ends. She she leaves to go find Viren. So I feel like that's going to be, we're going to be in a very weird spot. Mm. Not weird in the sense, we're going to be in a very conflict ready spot where you've got Callum and Rayla and um, their whole thing. You got Rayla's whole mission. I think you're going to have like, what the hell is Aravos doing? Because Aravos is always doing something. <laughs> but um, so he's he's going to be doing things. And then I, I do wonder like what's Ezra going to be doing kind of keep the kingdom. I also think I also have this thing too with Aravos that so here's the thing you've got you just had the all the human kingdoms um versus the elves at least the elves of Lux Arya um the Sunfire elves and you just had the humans lose so half the human kingdoms have lost their kings or queens one of them is injured one of them and mind you Neolandia lost um lost uh Kaysef. Mm -hmm. is now dead and oh, yeah. King Arling does not know that. As far as the turn timeline, he does not know that. Um, so when he does wake up and find out, um, he's going to be pissed, I'm imagining. <laughs> and you got to remember that uh, um, Anya is the one that killed him. But you got to always remember that Viren is the one that kind of put him in that monstrous state. So I do think there's going to be a lot of like issues with the human kingdoms. And I would not be surprised if Erevos capitalizes on that weakness as they're all kind of... Um, rising tensions and or battle wars with each other because i have a theory that that in that scene where kessa is saying telling Viren that you were not satisfied with what you were given you know you take what is yours and um i think she says um defile it or um something of that nature i've she's talking to Viren, but you gotta remember arvos is in that scene technically he's in he's just inside Varen's body so there's a part of me that feels like he's she's talking narratively she, in the show she's talking to Varen, but i think narratively we're talking about erevos too and that i have a theory that erevos was um an elf one of the first elves who was given a gift and was not satisfied with what he was given and wanted Boris to become a god just because um i've had past interviews that Haley has had with Aaron and Justin, and they've mentioned that Erebos is kind of a, um, it's like a Prometheus character, and that he kind of wants to be worshipped, but he also wants to be loved, and it's kind of like those two things. Now, I have I have uh, my own theories as well, especially about our girl, Miss Claudia, but mm -hmm. uh, since we're getting a whole, you know, seven season saga, which is just amazing, do you yeah. have any additional theories like overarching theories about the whole the whole thing that you've come up with or seen that you really enjoyed any theories about anything i've enjoyed thus far um so i oh, so my my predictions tend not to come true i'm just not that type of person or well anything that's not obvious um but i think and i think the one theory that i think is i think Ray. i mean Claudia's gonna hit rock bottom first before she gets in. She's gonna hit that rock bottom so hard. I do have a theory that <laughs> Viren is going to kind of realize what he's kind of been pushing Claudia into. Because I do think that Viren loves his daughter. If there's anybody that Viren loves in this world, it's, it's Claudia. Um, yeah. 
Um, he has issues with Soren. I do think he cares about Soren, does love Soren. He just has no idea how to show him any kind of love affection. He's a terrible father to him in that way. Um, <laughs> but Akali, he does love. And I think he's going to see, because er he will defend her to Erebus. And he will, and he did, and I think he's going to see that's like, what have I done? And I think that's going to be the thing that kind of like pushes him to try to save her or something. I think Claudia is going to get a redemption. I do think that Eros is going to try to use Claudia um, because he's noticed she's how valuable she is. And she's the one that kind of always comes through in the end. Uh -huh. um, mm -hmm. She's so creative and she's so talented at dark magic. She's, and she's, and make no mistake about it. She's super clever and brilliant. Like she's, you know, she's a genius and she's, she is the epitome of creative solutions. So I do think that Claudia is going to go down a very dark path for a while. Um, and I think that Erevos is going to use her to get what he wants. Uh, and I wouldn't be surprised if she is the re re she's the key to him kind of like coming back into his full power. That wouldn't be surprised me. I, I could see him like chucking Viren and taking Claudia. Yeah. yeah, that's what I think too. Yeah, and that's probably going to make uh Viren, you know, try to like I not like guess redeem, but like try to like save her to get out get her out of that. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I no, think I he this... sorry. <laughs> oh no no you're saying I was just say I I wouldn't be surprised if he died to save her. Mm -hmm. Uh I was I was rewatching the season finales to, you know, prepare for this a little bit and I didn't realize this while I was, you know, just binge watching it, but every the last season of every or the last episode of every season has Claudia doing something gradually bigger and bigger with dark magic. So it's just like, oh girl, you are just a time bomb. Like at the first in the first season, it was just her trying, you know, um, killing those little fireflies to find uh, Caleb and Ezra and all that. And then mm -hmm. the second season was her fixing uh, Soren. And then you know, you know, you saw what happened in the third yeah. season. Now. So <laughs> it's just progressing least, getting worse you should see a little boot in the background and just like oh wait a minute yeah hold, hold up yeah I, I, Claudia, what was that? I agree and here's the thing the, the only thing i get real bent out about the show about the dark magic aspect and what people think of it it's like dark magic is always been compared um it is not like hunting it's not like hunting uh, it's just not, and there's also already you already got some kind of things there too with hunting sometimes, depending on the people it's coming from and, and the perspective. But it's not like hunting. I acknowledge that 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 the humans were oppressed by the elves. I acknowledge that, but that's not just a straight up white elves are white people and then humans are people of color. That's not how that works. That's not how that narrative way works. Uh, and then dark magic also, it's like, it's been compared to smoking. You could compare it to fossil fuels. Really? Mm. Really. Um, it, 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 they, like the creators themselves call it a shortcut all the time. And I'll be honest, anything that, that when you use it makes your hair turn white uh -huh. is probably not good for you. Have you seen Viren? He has to, he has to breed butterflies to make himself look normal. Not even like enhance himself. Like he just has to just to look able to function in society without judgment. Like yeah. that's not good. And you and <laughs> like if you read the book, the season one novelization, like the one of the elves had the issues the elves have is that humans did kill all the fucking unicorns. Like <laughs> 
I was reading it, and spoilers for that, but I was reading it, and I was like, oh, so they, you know, they were hunting down unicorns. Oh, I wonder how many are left. Oh, no, bitch, they are, they are extinct. Like, <laughs> like, and, you know, and they had to mix the scene with Claudia bringing that unicorn horn hit a little differently, because where did you get a unicorn horn if they're all extinct? Like, oh. where did you get them? Get that. So, um, yeah, it's like, you don't need Dark magic is about killing something or, and usually without consent, killing okay. something or taking something's like life force or something to get power. Hum hunting is about like food, shelter, clothing, survival. You take what you need and only what you need. Traditionally. And <laughs> traditionally. <laughs> we live in a capitalist society. Um, you know, and dark magic is not about taking what you need. Dark magic is about power and getting more of it because you're going to run out. It's like fossil fuels. You need more. Right. That's how that works. And it almost seems like an addiction to me. And it actually has been compared to smoking, so. That's actually, you know what? It, wow. I hadn't even thought about that. You're right. Because it's like, the more power you get, the more you want. Yeah. Like, I get slightly bent out of shape about this. I try to be open-minded, but I do think that's like... <laughs> for you, some people kind of don't realize like that's not and also too let's let's get this out of the way it is on some level a kid show it is a very well written complex mm -hmm. kid show and there are a lot of grays and that's wonderful and great but there's a level in which okay the dark magic thing yeah that's not a good thing the you know the primal sources that teach you like how to like work hard and you know do things the long way around because it's worth it. Yeah, that's that's the good route of magic. That's how that works. You can use dark magic for good things. That does not make it inherently okay <laughs> to use. Doesn't it's like yeah, smoking like a cigarettes. It's like saying cigarettes are not to have no moral nature. But that doesn't mean you should smoke those things. That doesn't mean you should smoke them, bitches. <laughs> like, like <laughs> just just because just because the cigarette itself is not moral does not have a moral compass or does not morally it's a thing you can mm -hmm. use it for anything but you know it's going to be abuse that's that's it's, mm -hmm. it's like alcohol and that's the thing that i think that um the one thing that i get kind of about <laughs> <laughs> oh my god uh tamika thank you so much for uh coming on with us today uh where can our followers find you online and where can they listen to your podcast uh well thank you for having me first of all um and thank you for hiring me <laughs> um it's like i appreciate that a lot um you can find my podcast largely on spotify pretty much anywhere because anchor distributes it but it's the hot brown morning potion podcast um you can find me on twitter at kuno underscore 12 i really should change that because to be more professional but um <laughs> we're in it to win it i guess uh, you can find, that's really my main hub. Um, I am on Tumblr, um, kuno-chan.tumblr.com. Um, you can find my fan fiction on AO3 under Kuno. Um, pretty much if you just type Tamika Kuno, I'm the only thing that shows up. So. Okay, cool, cool, cool. All right, and our fans know they can find us every week at, uh, Chaos Rising P on Twitter. So you guys have a good day and we'll see you next week. See you next week. Thank Bye. you. Bye. <laughs>